everyone. See, when we get over to the other building, we're going to have a smaller room where you can't get so far from me. You're getting further and further, except for Coop. Coop's pretty consistent. He's bold. Anyway. Well, no, no, no. You're four rows back, brother. Oh, I guess we're going to have to yield to uh, Anita and Albert here. They're in the second row. So anyway, it's good to see you all tonight. We are in uh, Ephesians tonight, chapter 6. And so uh, let's pray and then we'll get into our study here. Lord, again, we thank you for the privilege to uh, come together in Jesus' name to study the Word of God. We pray for uh, Seamless, the, the last study for the, the girls' Bible study tonight. Pray that the, it could end uh, on a high note there, and uh, just be a really special time. Uh, thank you for all the young ladies who have come, and uh, for the teachers. Uh, it's been a really great uh, summer, and we thank you for that. Pray that you bless uh, their study, our study as well now. And uh, so we just commit our time to you, and our time of prayer to follow. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, we are in Ephesians, uh, the church. Uh, and of course, when we talk about the church, we're not talking about this physical building, Right? When the Bible talks about the church, it's talking about the people. Just like we're talking about when we were singing, uh, God indwells us. We are the temple. We are, we are the church. And, of course, the word church means called out ones. And uh, positional truth, first three chapters, we're in union with Christ. We're in union with each other. That's what the essence of the church is. Practical truth, walk in unity, walk in holiness, walk in love, walk in light, walk in wisdom. And out of that emphasis on wisdom is this issue of submission. Kind of a fourfold emphasis uh, to one another. You know, there's a yielding to one another, not my way or the highway type of attitude. Uh, wives to husbands, children to parents, uh, slaves to masters. Tonight, we are in chapter 6, uh, 1 through 4. <clears throat> now, if you are the devil, and uh, there is a real devil, and he's out to destroy everything that God's about, he wants to, he wants to take over God's position, usurp God's position. And so really what God is about, he's trying to defeat. He's trying to destroy. Now, if you're talking about a world that God has created with people in it, and that God um, ordained the family, he's ordained the church, he's ordained Israel, whatever the institution that God has ordained, you see Satan attacking. And uh, so we come to that issue of the, the, the family uh, tonight. And we looked last time, you know, of course, one of the key pillars on which society is built is marriage. Uh, uh, the whole of human history rests on this. Uh, it's one of the key pillars as designed by God. And beyond that, God intends it to be an, a visual, an ongoing visual testimony of Christ's relationship to the church. No wonder Satan is doing everything he can to destroy the concept of biblical marriage. It's, it's a battle of epic proportions. I mean, it's, it's a spiritual war. Uh, we are in a war. And, uh, you know, like MacArthur says, when I first got into the ministry, it seemed like a honeymoon. I went on a little ways and it seemed like work. And one day I woke up and realized this is war. And it is war. It's a spiritual war. That's what we're involved in here. Um, well, as you think about uh, the devil, he does try to do everything he can to destroy the family, starting with the, the marriage. And then uh, we talk about the family. Uh, here in 2 Timothy 3, it says, In the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boasters, proud blasphemers, disobedient to parents. I want to focus in on that in particular. Last days are perilous times, well, in part because you've got just disobedience to parents happening everywhere. It's characteristic, especially of those last times. It's characteristic of all times. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. 
But it uh, has a pronounced emphasis here in 2 Timothy 3 in relationship to what I call last day's madness. And so uh, let's pick it up there tonight. And uh, we begin chapter 6. And who wants to read verse 1 for us? Uh, chapter 6, verse 1. Yeah. Yeah, short little verse, a lot in there. Uh, Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. It's interesting, you know, all of this flows out of the spirit-filled life. As I've said uh, before, you have Ephesians uh, 5.18, be filled with the spirit, controlled by the Holy Spirit. Well, what's that look like? Well, in marriage, it looks like the husband loving his wife as Christ loved the church and the wife properly submitting to her husband. Uh, In the home, it looks like children obeying uh, parents. In the workplace, it looks like the slaves uh, obeying their masters properly, as we will see, Lord willing, next time. But uh, <clears throat> children, obey your parents in the Lord. It's interesting, he uh, addresses children here. They're evidently old enough to understand the instruction, right? We're not giving this to two-year-olds. Uh, they're old enough to get the instruction. And uh, the idea of obey means to hear under. It is to respond obediently. It's to recognize that the parents are in charge, you know. We'll say that to, we always say that to our kids. Who's in charge here? Once in a while we had to get that straight, right? Now I say it to the grandkids all the time. Carson and I were having this little discussion just the other day. Who's in charge here? You know what he did? He pointed to Jane. <laughs> how, how do you think that went? We had a little meeting of the minds. Had a little, little ornery smile on him when he did it. But anyway... Yeah, and we always tell them, your, your parents are in charge, but they're not here now, so, so we are in charge. It's, I told him it's my house. <laughs> my rule's my house. Anyway, uh, the parents are in charge, and uh, here's how children who are believers, uh, spirit-filled children, here's how they're to live. Uh, they're to obey. Now, it's pretty simple. I always tell kids, it, it, God's made it very simple for you. You know, you have to figure out all the intricacies of life. You just got to be obedient to your parents. That's what God wants you to do. What, what is the will of God for a child? Basically, you could pretty much sum it up in obey your parents in the Lord. Uh, that's what God wants you to do. In the Lord assumes you have Christian parents who are instructing you in the, in the ways of the Lord. So it's pretty simple for kids. You know, it gets a little more complicated as you get a little older. But as you are a child in the home, well, what's God wants you to do? What's the will of God for you? Obey your parents. That's what God wants you to do. Horner says here, it implies a dependent relationship to the parent. In this context, Paul no doubt had in mind children old enough to understand and exercise their free will. It, most, it is most likely that Paul is addressing those who are still home as dependent children, yet old enough to understand the instruction themselves. Uh, yeah, I think that hits uh, the balance as far as what we're talking about. We're not talking about 35-year-old children. We're talking about children that are still in the home, right? Yeah. So uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord, uh, in keeping with what is proper in the Lord. We're talking Christian instruction. And of course, uh, everything is in the Lord. You know, I don't care what the authority is. If the authority is saying, I, w- I want you to do something that is disobedient to God. Acts 5.29 always kicks in. We ought to obey God rather than men. God is the authority over all other authorities. So it's assumed here. This is uh, in the Lord. Uh, you are submitting to your parents who are instructing you in the ways of the Lord, in keeping with the things of God and in keeping with truth in the scripture. So uh, for children, submitting to parents is really submitting to God. You know, uh, God has ordained the authorities that are in our life 
And so when we obey those authorities, we're obeying God. What if we don't obey those authorities? It's not only that I'm disobeying my parents, I have a problem with God. I have a problem with the authority over all the other authorities. So uh, this is the idea. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. It's wrong to disobey your parents in the Lord. Uh, That's sin. And it's indicative of rebellion. And uh, we see another text here in uh, Romans 1. You know, you got this whole list of sins here in Romans chapter 1. It's kind of a downward spiral of sin. In Romans chapter 1. It's ugly, ugly. It's ugly. Romans 1 is a very ugly chapter. Not the prologue. Not counting the prologue. But once you get past that prologue, uh, it gets ugly. The downward spiral. Uh, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. What's it look like when God just lets people go in their sin? Well, for children, it looks like this. Disobedient to parents. Lots of things we could talk about here. But tonight we're talking about children in particular. Disobedient to parents. Um, what's the sin nature look like in kids? Disobedience to parents. That's what it looks like. And so uh, we have that, that scripture there. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 11. Even a child is known by his deeds, whether what he does is pure and right. Um, you know, the way you live kind of tells something about where you're at with, with the Lord. That's true even of, of children. So the number one way that a child... Uh, shows uh, he's right with the Lord is uh, obedience to parents. I think that's one of the number one ways. You say, well, he's committing himself to go to the mission field. Well, yeah, just like he's at four years old committing himself to marry somebody, right? I mean, uh, let's be realistic here. These kids are not very mature. Very simple truths. Obey your parents. Uh, they, they get that from a very early age. Okay, um, any other thoughts there before we press on here? Yeah, uh huh. So, is it assumed that here is the children are believing children, or is this a, uh, an exhortation uh, to all the children as the parents teach their children, saying, you know, this is your responsibility? Yeah, it's interesting. He's addressing the children. It's under the basic, I think it fits to all children. You know, all children are to be disciplined by the parents. You go to the, the wisdom passages in Proverbs and so forth. But here in particular, it does seem as he's unfolding that whole issue of the spirit-filled life and he's applying it, uh, the wisdom of submission, he's addressing the wives, now he's addressing the children, then he'll address the slave. So it seems it's in that order of addressing those that are believers. So I would tend to think these are believing children. Here's how you should act if you're a believer. If you're a child, if you're a believer, it should show in your life in obedience to your parents. If you have no regard for your parents, maybe you really need to examine yourself. Are you even in the faith? So, yeah. Uh, So I think there's application, you know, broader than that. But, yeah, in the context and the flow, yeah. Okay, that's a great question. You ask good questions. All right. Uh, let's have somebody read verses uh, 2 and 3 for us. Who wants to read that? 2 and 3. Yeah, Dave. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment of the promise. And verse 3. That it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Okay. So he's building on what he has said. Obey your parents. Now he says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And uh, honor is, a, is an attitude, right? It's, it's an attitude of respect. You esteem them. You value them. You appreciate them. 
You honor them, you know. Uh, that's the idea. And so uh, when, when a child comes of age, there's clearly uh, changes in life as they head out on their own, they get married, whatever. And yet, uh, honor is always in place. There never comes a time you say, well, I've outgrown that. I no longer have to honor my parents. Uh, no, uh, you're not going to be obedient in the sense of a little child in the home. I mean, you're on your own now. But there still should be honor uh, for parents all the time. I agree with Harold Honer again when he says this. Of course, when children leave home and or marry, they will be responsible for their own choices. And if married, will leave their father, mother, cleave to their spouse. Even then, though, obedience uh, may no longer be required, uh, though obedience may no longer be required, honor of one's parents must continue. And so I think that's absolutely true. Um, You know, Jesus kind of addressed this with these uh, adult Pharisees, right? Matthew chapter 15. And he says there, he said to them, why do you transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, honor your father and mother, and he who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father and mother, whatever profit you may have received from me is a gift to God. I'm sorry, I'd really like to help you with the rent this month, but I've, I've, I've determined I'm going to give it to God. I'm very spiritual, you understand. Uh, then he need not honor his father and mother. I don't have to help you out. I've, I've committed this to God, dedicated it to God. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites, actors, you're playing a game. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth, honor me with their lips, but their heart. They got a heart problem. Their heart is hurt. They got a problem with their parents and treating their parents right. They got a heart problem. And in vain they worship me. Teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. My little uh, commentary here. Don't claim to be a Christian if you treat your parents like dirt. See Jesus here, Matthew chapter 15. Uh, this is vain worship. Uh, it's, it's not the stuff of, of true Christianity. Second, uh, First Timothy rather, 5.4. If any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home. Start there. And to repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable before God. And he goes on to say, if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those in his own household, is denied the faith, is worse than an unbeliever. So, uh, you know, the, we never really outgrow this, uh, this whole idea of honoring your parents, as, as I've shown here. Uh, even as they get older, you still should, there still should be honor. So uh, the context here, however, is dealing with younger children still in the home, as we've already talked about. Yep, we've got the, we should honor parents of whatever age. But here we're talking uh, children still in the home in context. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. The first commandment with promise. There's a priority emphasis here. Uh, you've got the Ten Commandments. Uh, this one comes with a special promise. And uh, so there's a, there's a priority emphasis here, a special emphasis, which is the first commandment with promise. Uh, you know, we talk about uh, the first and the, the, the second table of the law. And, of course, uh, this is the first command in the second table. The first four commandments are God-oriented in nature, right? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You shall not make any graven image. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Uh, keep the Sabbath. First four. What's the fifth one? Honor your father and mother. Right. So this is the first commandment of the second table. Uh, it's actually the fifth uh, commandment. But it's the first with a specific promise. Uh, and uh, the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. 
Now, as we uh, mentioned earlier, you have uh, three institutions that God has ordained, basically. You have uh, the family, you have government, and you have the church. Now, it's interesting, before uh, you had uh, government, before you had Israel, before you had the church, family was first. It's the first institution that's ordained by God. And so it is a, a major building block of the whole of society. I mean, if you're the devil and you want to tear down society, you probably start with the family. Start there. Uh, it is interesting, however, as you uh, think about uh, this, uh, when we get to, into eternity, is there going to be the family as we know it now? This is not a hard question. <laughs> no. Is there going to be the church as we know it now, albeit glorified? The answer is Yes. And so it's interesting, the family of God in the church is going to live forever, but uh, the, the institution as we know it f for this world, uh, that institution called family, is uh, really uh, related to this world. And it's interesting, in light of that, you know, sometimes people say family at all costs. Well, you want to kind of think about that just a little bit. There are closer relationships than family relationships in, in the Bible. Uh, Jesus talked about this. I don't know where that slide came from, but it's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon you. That's where the quote comes from here in Exodus 20. I think here's where I want to go. Yeah, Matthew 10. Uh, Jesus says, do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. What do you think about that statement? We can't argue with it, right? Because Jesus said it. So... Uh, he didn't come to bring peace. Uh, You've got to understand the flow of what he's saying here. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. There's going to be some tensions. There's going to be some division here. And, and what's the point of tension going to be? Well, we just peace at any cost. I've had people in my family just peace at any cost. We just want the family to get along. doesn't matter how much we've got to compromise to keep the peace. You know, we'll go along with anything. Oh, bro, uh, this one's living in great sin, but oh, I would never say a word because I always want to keep the family unity. Maybe we ought to come back and understand Christ. Don't think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. There's a lot of against in that verse. Do you notice that? And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Boy, Christ is, I, I wouldn't want to use what my, my friend John says when we talked about the rich young ruler. He says he comes off mean. <laughs> I said, he's demanding. And the reason he's demanding is because of who he is. He's Lord. And he demands to be recognized as Lord. He says, I'm, I'm number one here. And yeah, there's going to be some division here. You can't just skate along to get along. Uh, if you love father and mother more than me, you're not worthy of me. Dwight, yeah. Just made an interesting observation. She said, well, it seems that it's always the young against the older one. You know, you know, about the, you know it's the younger people who are dishonoring. You know, because it's kind of interesting how he says that. Uh, or I have to say a man against his father, a daughter against her mother. And I don't know against her mother-in-law. Why well, so is the younger against the older? Same thing that if the older may be the godly, right? And the younger are the ones who are doing that against. I, I yeah, well, it's interesting. I think the point here is it's family relationships, yep. right? 
And so, yeah, obviously the mother's going to be older than the daughter and the son's younger than the father. But so, but yeah, I think the, the tension is take, Christ takes the closest relationships that we have in this life and says, I demand to be above that. I, I demand to be more important than that, which is going to cause tensions. If, if you're going to put Christ as your Lord over here and the family member over here says, oh, no, I'm not. Something's going to give. Who's going to give? A lot of times he's a oh, Christian. Okay, well, okay. I'll just cave on that, all my convictions. I'll go along with your sin. I won't take a strong stand. Nope, Christ is very demanding uh, there. Okay, uh, he continues here. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And what is that? Uh, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. I always emphasize this last part with my kids. <laughs> Honor your father and mother that, that you may live long. On the earth. <laughs> and after a while, it got to be that I would smile and they would smile too. But, you know, really, it's a serious matter here. It's a two-pronged promise here related to quality of life and quantity of life. No laughing matter at all, really, uh, that it may be well with you. This is a general blessing. Deuteronomy 27, 16, cursed is the one who treats his father and mother with contempt and all the people shall say amen. It's a serious, it's a serious matter to honor your parents. Uh, curse is the one who doesn't. Blessing is on the one who does. That it may be well with you. You say this is an Old Testament thing. Yeah, but it's applied to New Testament living. Uh, a lot of things are like that. Nine of the Ten Commandments are repeated in the, engrafted into the New Covenant uh, code of living. Uh, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Again, general principle. A lot of wisdom principles here. Uh, but uh, there is truth here. Back in the Old Testament, if a man is a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father, the voice of his mother, and who, when they have chastened him, will not heed them, what are we going to do with this kid? It's out of control. And it's not like for lack of discipline. We discipline the kid. Just won't obey. Then the father and his mother shall take hold of him. They're still able to control him. It's probably not 18. I don't know. <laughs> Get to a point where, how's this going to work? <laughs> uh, his father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of the city and to the gate of his city. And they shall say to the elders of, of his city, the son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Old enough to be drinking, I guess. Uh, then all of the men of his city shall stone him to death with stones. So you should put away the evil from among you and all Israel shall hear in fear. My goodness, that would put the fear in you, right? Throughout all the families of the land. It's like, boy, we, we better obey our parents. They'll take us out to the gate of the city and they'll get the stones and we'll be stoned. By the way, how many times did this happen in Israel's history? I mean, that we know of, recorded. None. <laughs> None. <laughs> Nobody ever did this. I mean, and you've got to understand that. Who's going to take your kid out to the... I mean, that would be amazing. I mean, they're still your kid, right? But I mean, really strong. The emphasis is certainly strong. Very strong. Proverbs 6, uh, my son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart, tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. When you wake, they will speak with you. For the, commandments, the commandment is a lamp and the law is a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. And we see this emphasis uh, repeatedly in the book of Proverbs. 
Uh, here, Proverbs 30, verse 17, the eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. You know, it would probably do our society a lot of good to just reflect on these things. We're pampering these kids to the point of absolutely zero discipline. And what has it done to our society? It's killing us. But we got a better idea, right? We got a better idea. We've got therapy. We've got drugs. We've got everything except biblical discipline, the way it seems to me, many times. Makes it pretty strong. Honer, again, uh, says, before I get to Honer, uh, when children are rebellious and refuse to listen to parents, they put themselves in jeopardy, and sometimes they die. Proverbs is filled with such warnings. The wisdom book, general principles of wisdom, is filled with such warnings. If you drink and drive, you may die. If you hang around with druggies, uh, you may get killed. If you are promiscuous, who knows what disease you might contract. If you run with the wrong crowd, who knows where you might end up. Those who refuse to listen to parents may very well shorten their lifespan. It is no idle threat. No idle threat. I think we always take those things seriously, but we should. There, there's, there's, a, there's a kind of a, a guardrail of protection in relationship to parental teaching and guidance. Young people would be wise to listen to this. Harold Horner says, The same general Old Testament principle can be applied to the New Testament, namely that obeying and honoring father and mother uh, will bring well-being and a long life on earth. Again, there are going to be exceptions to the rule, but the general principle holds. I think that's true. I think that's the application uh, that Paul is making. By the way, uh, Paul specifically left out that last phrase, uh, the land, uh, live long on the land which the Lord your God is giving you. And the reason that is omitted is because the church uh, is not a continuation of Israel. And uh, there is no land promise, right, for the church. We, we don't have a promised land here like Israel did. So he omits that part, and uh, properly so. Okay. Um, all right. Any other thoughts? Yes, Bill. Because you were reading in Deuteronomy, um, what struck me uh, was when Israel was in Yep. Amen. Good observation. Amen. Yep, that's for sure. And I think, you know, I think God is saying, if, if you really have an out-of-control situation like this, and it's dealt with like this, it's going to have an effect on the whole nation here, which it would. You know, we don't have a recorded instance, but boy, imagine if we did. <laughs> uh, it's not there, but uh, yeah, definitely the point is made. All right. Anyone else? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, I know that we want to act in grace, but uh, you know there is a point that one has to say no. Is, uh, point well taken. Point well taken. Amen. And and yet there is balance, as you would know, as we will get to verse four. Right. Uh, so it, there is a beautiful biblical balance, but absolutely, um, you know, we have pretty much outlawed discipline in some respects in our whole society here. 
I mean, it's culturally, you know, you don't spank your kids. You may go to jail if it gets out, you know, that you're abusing your kids, right? Just in good old-fashioned spanking. My parents should be in jail for sure. Well, mother's exempted because she's gone on to glory, but dad's still in danger. <laughs> I have in the past visited with some parents, right, that they're having problems with the son in this case in Watson. Living in Ravelli, you know, the man supposed to profess it to be a Christian, not living like that, right? But the parents called me because he said a prayer and stuff like that, and, mm-hmm. and they would say something along the lines. Well, I wish he would meet a nice Christian girl. Right? Oh, my. And they said, well, if he did that, you should tell the girl to, to run away. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. That's true. If it's my daughter, that's the counsel. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, yep. We could talk stories all night as far as, yeah. That's right. There are some principles here. If you if you don't listen to them, if there's no discipline. You know, Proverbs talks about if you love your child, you discipline. If you don't, you just let them go their own way to their own destruction. So, and it's biblical discipline. It's out of love. It's out of teaching them proper respect for authority. If you don't learn respect for authority in the home, you probably don't have respect for the authority of the law. You don't have respect for the authority of God. It's all gone. There's nothing there. So it's a huge deal. All right. Let's have somebody read verse four. Who wants to read verse four to finish us out here tonight? Yeah, Levita. Okay, well, very good. We're to honor parents uh, as children. Children are to honor parents. But then there's kind of a footnote here to fathers in particular. Application to both parents, but fathers in particular, since they're the head of the home and they really set the tone for the home. Uh, And generally, biblically, biblically, the father is the main disciplinarian. Uh, If the mother's the main disciplinarian in the home, that's probably not a good thing. Uh, she certainly will be a disciplinarian as well. But, um, you know, I know in our home, Jane disciplined, but when they had that long walk back to the office, it was a sober time. <laughs> they were terrified, but they had to come to the office. There was a little bit more, a little bit more happening when we came to the office, believe me. And if it got to the office, it was serious. They still remember that those long walks to the office. Anyway, uh, you fathers, uh, speaking like kind of the, the chief enforcer here, the one that's in that headship role, uh, you fathers, he says, however, do not provoke your children to wrath. Provoke is the idea of irritating them, uh, to uh, frustrate them, uh, to where there's... Uh, it, it builds up a, a anger, a, a deep-seated resentment. And it can take many forms. There's, like we say, there's a balance in a lot of things. Um, it can relate to unreasonable demands. It can refer to a father being overly harsh and severe, no mercy or grace being shown. Uh, it may apply to petty rules where a father is overly rigid and domineering. Maybe a constant critical spirit. You never do anything right. How can you be so stupid? Never want to say something like that. It may be a constant nagging or browbeating of a child. It may be ridiculing or goading a child. It may take the form of favoritism. It may involve being demeaning to a child. It may involve never being able to please uh, the parent. So I think it can take lots of forms here. It's, it's just a general statement here. Uh, fathers, do not provoke your, your children to wrath. Um, 
Phillips says this, John Phillips, no two children are alike. Those of you who have two children all say amen. No two children are alike. Some are strong-willed, others are passive. Some are clever, others are slow. Some are adventurous, others are timid. Some are bold, others are shy. Wise parents will study their children, make allowances. Many books on parenting are available today, but not all of them are equally good because much modern psychology leaves God out entirely. The best textbook of all remains the Bible, especially the book of Proverbs. Amen. Amen. You want a book on children? Uh, Proverbs is a great place to to go. Uh, It's addressing the the young man there and and all that relates to that. Uh, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in in the training and admonition of the Lord. In contrast to provoking them, we want to bring them up, uh, which is literally the idea of nurturing them, uh, nurturing them. Uh, The idea of to causing them to flourish, to cause them to thrive. And uh, there's uh, a two-pronged emphasis here again. Uh, Bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Training is the idea of shaping the will, shaping the will through discipline. Uh, they have to learn. There's consequences. Uh, there's consequences. Uh, there's accountability. And yet at the same time, there is mercy. There is grace. Uh, they're learning lots of lessons in that whole uh, training process. Bring them up in the training. Admonition is literally, uh, admonition, that word literally means uh, putting in mind. It's the idea of shaping the mind. Uh, so there's a balance here. Uh, yeah, we're disciplining, we're teaching them uh, that way training them, but there's also instruction. Um, There's reasoning with them. And we see both in the book of Proverbs. Uh, For example, Proverbs 19.18, training, chasten your son while there is hope and do not set your heart on his destruction. The idea here is if there's not proper discipline applied, uh, what's the end result? Well, destruction. Kids need this. And then Proverbs 8 Admonition. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction. Be wise and do not disdain it. So there is, there is this emphasis on discipline uh, and also on reasoning with them. And, uh, you know, both are in play, especially as we go along. I think uh, this is good. The wise parent will realize age distinctions. As the child grows, the forms of discipline will evolve. As children mature, there will be more emphasis on the mind. I mean, they're growing in their thinking. They will be given more responsibility. If you are a wise parent, uh, you don't interact with a 16-year-old like you do with a 6-year-old. Unbalanced or immature Christians sometimes pull out the emphasis in Proverbs on discipline, but fail to properly apply the emphasis on relational nurturing. Someone has said that kids are like kites. We have to let them out a little at a time while still keeping hold and guiding them. Uh, That's a pretty good illustration in terms of what uh, the sense here as far as the balance of of training, shaping the will, and admonition, shaping the mind. uh, They go together. Uh, And he says, the training and admonition of the Lord. It's it's sourced in the Lord. It's all according to biblical principles and and what's uh, godly guidance and and godly instruction. Well, the most important uh, model uh, as far as uh, for really training children is probably what happens in the home. Uh, you know, uh, you can be instructing them the right thing, but if you're not living it before them, what is being modeled before these kids? Uh, they need to see it. 
Yes, they need to hear it, but they also need to see it. So much of life that way. And uh, so it's a matter of uh, modeling it before them day in and day out as, as a way of life. Deuteronomy, you probably, uh, I love these verses, and I love where it starts. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Be sold out to God. That's really where great parenting starts, being sold out to God, yourself. You say, now you kids need to be sold out to God, but boy, I've got major compromise in my life, but, but you guys need to be, I'm concerned about you. Mo, uh, how about starting here? Uh, and these words which I command you shall be in your heart. He's talking to the parents. Then out of this, you shall teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. As a, in the course of life, you're teaching them. But it's the overflow of what's in your heart. And if it's not here, I don't know how effective this is going to be. Uh, they'll probably see you for the hypocrite that you are and <laughs> probably going to be counterproductive when it's all said and done. So I love the Deuteronomy there, the, the flow there. It starts with your own walk, with your own commitment to God, uh, your own heart. And then out of that is the overflow of, of teaching your children diligently as a way of life all along the way of life. And, uh, you know, it's good to know there's no perfect parents. Wouldn't we all like to have a do-over? I mean, there's probably not a single day when you wouldn't like to have a do-over. Uh, Janie and I often talk about this. And Janie has a very sensitive conscience. I'm the calloused one of the, of the two. But uh, she'll feel like, well, I should have done this. I should have done that. And I said, well, yeah, we all, we all like to have a do-over. And I always joke about, you know, when I was younger, I'd say, well, when my kids are all gone, I'm going to write my book on, on uh, raising children. And now that they're all gone, I'm saying, that book ain't never going to see the light of day. <laughs> I guess maybe there's, hopefully, I've been humbled a few times along the way here too. But, uh, and, you know, you just, you can't play God even in a child's life. Ultimately, they make their choices as they go along. You do your best to guide them. Cain and Abel had the same parents, right? Jacob and Esau had the same parents. Uh, you try to build into them, but at the end of the day, there is Matthew 10, where some are going to decide for Christ and some are going to decide against Christ. And so you don't want to just a whole bunch of false guilt either, like, well, you know, I'm God and I can just make this happen. No, you can't. You do your best to build into them, but at the end of the day, there is this thing called human responsibility that enters into the equation as well. All right. Well, I think that's my session on uh, responsibilities of children and parents here tonight. Any other input? Okay. If not, let's go ahead and share some prayer requests. I think we got some prayer sheets uh, around out here. Does anybody need a prayer sheet?